Praise God, praise God. It is so true that God makes himself available to everyone. Amen. And in an atmosphere like this, it's not hard to reach out and to grasp a hold of that because it does have to be received, embraced. It has to be accepted. Amen. The first, one of the first thoughts that sometimes we have is why? Why would he do this? Why would he even have any, uh, pay any attention to someone like me? And that's sometimes we have to be careful with. And it's because of the nature of God. He loves us. He so loved the world, which is we are, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish. That's the goal of God, is to see people saved in Jesus' name. Why don't you do this? Lay your hands on the person next to you right now and pray for them. Ask the Lord to help them in their endeavor. Praise God, praise God. You can be seated. Um, it's a beautiful, beautiful God-orchestrated atmosphere that we feel in this place. There should have been no problem or trouble for anyone to come in here and to receive the renewing of the mind, the strengthening of the inner person. And that is such a, such a vital thing that you and I need to achieve on a daily basis. We're living in a world that sucks it right out of us. And sometimes we're the culprit. Sometimes we're the one that does it. We make a lot bigger things uh, uh, about things than we really should. And sometimes that has a way of draining us and has a way of uh, forcing us into, um, you know, reacting to things. And so God can help us with that, and he has. Praise God. His spirit is designed to do that. And so I appreciate you being here today. Um, again, I give all the credit to the Lord. He is just so awesome. I mean, he just does this 
at absolutely no charge. There really isn't. He doesn't have a cover charge or anything like that. And so I'm glad that you're here. Um, I'm going to bring a couple of things to your attention, first of all, before I move on with the word. Um, uh, no, many of you have noticed in the foyer area there, there's some baskets out there. Uh, the ladies' ministry in this church have been just absolutely awesome. Um, they really are. They do a, quite a thing. Uh, most of the things that are worth anything around here have been achieved through our ladies. Can the men say amen? amen. Good, it is. And it's the truth, folks. Praise God, praise God. They don't run everything, but they could. And they teach us a lot. And so I appreciate that. Um, this morning I um, was out there admiring some of the uniqueness of those baskets. And somebody said that they were making some of these things men-friendly. Friend so you want to check them out. Next week, we're going to have an auction. And just so you know, the ladies' ministry, uh, not only in this church, but in the United Pentecostal Church International, goes a long way. I mean, it's very broad. When I was on the, dis on the general board, um, the ladies would come in, and, and they would have allocations of the funds that came in. And my goodness, they are by far the department that reaches the furthest. I mean, I'm talking about from youth all the way to ho the missionaries to uh, everything. And I, I, I fail to list them all because I'd probably miss a few. But I just want you to understand that money that's being raised by these baskets is for that cause. They're going to give again to um, Our Lady's Ministry in the district. Um, last year, you were um, uh, very good. I think you had a 10% increase in your giving last year, and that was noted at our district conference. And so I just want you to know that that's what's going on out there. We have a lot of fun with it. Next week, we're going to have some fun when we auction them off. And, but I just want you to understand that this is money that's, not, uh, that's, that's going to a good cause. And so just so you know that in Jesus' name. Also out there in the foyer, um, every month we get a, a, a renewal of this, and it's called Pentecostal Life. And I have, you've heard me say this before, I just am admiring the writers that we have. You know, we honored our teachers here today, and that was rightly so. But we have some gifted people in our organization that just know how to communicate. They just do. And they do it in such a great way. And this month's uh, Pentecostal Life uh, our uh, magazine is highlighting on Pentecost and some of the things that surround that. And so I want you to, if you can, you can pick one of these up. The only thing I ask you to do is when you're done with it, give it to somebody else. We get, a, I think, a dozen of these every month, and usually they're gone, and I'm glad. That's why we put them out there. But uh, we would like them to live on, and if you can't find anybody to give it to, take it to a doctor's office. Take it somewhere, you know, in the public. Um, and, and just leave it off because it's excellent articles. In fact, there's, uh, in the back there, there's articles on repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, and receiving the Holy Ghost, which is stuff that sometimes we take for granted. We really do. Sometimes we think, well, everybody knows about this. Well, sometimes they might know some things, but they don't understand. And sometimes an article like that, especially the, those articles on repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, and infilling of the Holy Ghost, sometimes that can bring some tremendous clarity to people's lives. Amen. That doesn't make their choice for them because, you know, doing the things of God has got to become our idea. Now, it originates from God, but you and I have to accept it. We have to open up. We have to say, okay, I, okay God, this is what I want to do. And I respect that process. 
I really do. I respect that there are people that sometimes they just don't know if this is what they want to do. Um, and another thing that I did, I, I remember coming into some of the services at the beginning, is I would begin to count the cost. And I didn't know much about you. I didn't know much about the organization. I didn't know much, really much about God. But boy, it didn't take me long to figure out, wow, this is going to cost me something. And I think sometimes when we make those demands on people when they're not ready, sometimes we can, um, you know, we, we can create some things that really don't need to be, praise God. I think we just need to keep the light on. We just need to keep it available. And so I appreciate the publications that we have in our organization, the things that, and, and, the, and the places that they're reaching, praise God, people all over this world, thousands of people. I don't know if you realize this or not, but thousands of people just this week just this week, have received the baptism of the Holy Ghost for the first time. That's what's happening. Amen. And so make no mistake about it. You know, the blueprint for, for the apostolic church um, in a condensed way can be found in the second chapter of the book of Acts. Now, I'm not talking about what shall we do, men and brother. And, of course, they said, repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Somebody say amen. Why? Because the promise. Yeah, God made those promises. But around verse 42, I think it is, and maybe right prior to that, the Bible gives us the indication that there were people in that meeting that were ready. In fact, the Bible says, they that gladly received the word were baptized. They didn't sit there and argue about it. They didn't sit there and try to reason it away. And I'm not here to, to be critical. I'm just here to say that in my opinion, sometimes we can center on the people who don't want it right now. When in essence, there might be a couple of people right in our midst that are ready to go. And so God help us to be sensitive to that. Help us to be sensitive to that. And so if you read the, from verse 42 all the way to the end of the chapter, you're going to see what the daily life of the church was all about. And I'm not going to go into it right now. You read that for yourself. It's very, very, very um, um, uh, revealing. Those people got with it. They were daily doing the work of the Lord. And so in my opinion, that's where the American culture fails sometimes, is we want to, um, you know, center the things of God upon one day a week. You know, we want to have um, events, you know, big, big, big things like that. And I'm not against that kind of stuff. I think it's very good. You know, the last week or a couple of weeks ago, up in Hardin, Montana, up there, one of the toughest places, you know, to work because of the culture up there. Praise God. They had a giveaway. They, they were giving away candy. They were giving away all kinds of things. And, of course, they were doing this with a purpose. And they had 180 people that assembled in their little building. They didn't have enough seats. I think it is, too. Now, we understand that candy don't save anybody. If it did, I would eat more of it. <laughs> I would. I'd have it for breakfast. I'd have it for dinner. I'd have it for supper. My wife, she limits it to me, and she's, as I get older, she's limiting it more. But nevertheless, that stuff don't save anybody. But it does attract a lot of people. And so this is sometimes what has to happen. Sometimes you've got to just bust loose and, and, and get people to break their routine and come on in. But make no mistake about it, folks. You know, we need to tell them about the Word of God that is able to save their souls in Jesus' name. In fact, right now, before we go on, why don't we just take a minute here while you're seated there and lift up our hands and let's pray for this community, Gillette, Campbell County, Wyoming, and the Rocky Mountain District. Let's ask the Lord to deal with people. Help them to come to the saving knowledge of His grace. Mm.
Oh, hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be to the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord God. I thank you for what you're doing in the name of Jesus, how you're doing it. Oh, yes, Lord, you are having just a tremendous, tremendous outreach, even in the midst of us, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God, for the opportunity, for the opportunity to be a part of this. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, blessed be to the name of the Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you for your great strength. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord in Jesus' name. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Thank you, Lord God. Amen. And I believe the Lord is going to do that in Jesus' name. Praise God. Contacted my good friend over in Worland, um, Wyoming this past week, Brother Mike Arona. He's um, made it kind of his, a little bit of his accent on his ministry about end times. And of course, we're interested in bringing him over here and uh, having him do maybe kind of a weekend seminar for us. Um, because prophecy is important. A lot of times you will alert people to some things when you start talking about prophetic events. Um, and so we're working on that yet. His schedule is, is just as busy as everybody else, but he promised he would get back to me, and hopefully this summer sometime we can get him over here and we'll let you know. And this would be an opportunity for you to invite some people out. Amen. Um, I'm not saying that Brother uh, Michael Rona is an expert, but he, is, he is, uh, saw a lot of things in prophecy that I think could help us. And so I just wanted to alert you to that in Jesus' name. Prophecy is very, very, very important. In fact, in the 13th chapter of the book of um, Revelation, I won't, have, I won't be reading anything there, but the Bible talks about the fact that the power of the Antichrist is going to kind of hit its high point. And you must understand that God is allowing this to happen. Amen. One of the things that's happening to the church right now, I see it, I see it in all different flavors and, and dimensions, is that we are being tested. We are. And God has always had, had that kind of on his agenda. Now, the thing that we don't have to be scared of is that God is going to overwhelm us. But he will test us. He's going to see just exactly what's really, really, really important to us. That's why the apostolic church will always be the place where true Christians will gather. Because in the place, that's what God will do. I don't know if you're aware of this, but the Feast of Pentecost is coming up upon us. And of course, we, we like to educate people on that. It's one of seven feasts that were celebrated in the Old Testament by the nation of Israel. And I'm not here to bring back Old Testament theology and let it trump New Testament ones. No, I'm not doing that. I'm just saying, but we can learn from it. We can look at those feasts and we can see, wow, you know, there was something significant there that God was really trying to show us trying to help us. And I don't know if you're aware of this, but the, but the, the harvest that was taking place during the Feast um, the of Pentecost was the grain harvest. I don't know if you're aware of that. And this didn't start in the spring of the year. Oh, no. And uh, it started in the fall of the year. That's really when that would begun, begin, and they would sow those seeds. I'm not going to go into all seven or eight of those um, realms or, or, or times and that type of thing, but it's very, very interesting how God calculated and how he would give us a trail to do. And so that grain harvest was planted in the fall, 
and then it would germinate sometimes very slowly in the winter months and that type of thing. And then in the spring of the year when the rains would come, that's when they would begin to harvest it, okay? The, the former and the latter rain. You know, all of this is significant. And so um, around this feast, that's when they would, they would harvest the grain harvest. And they would bring those sheaves. They would bundle them in the, um, in the fields and they would bundle them so that they could transport them so that they could take them from the field and bring them into the, to the storehouse. That's where they eventually were going to come. But those sheaves, they would take them and they'd bring them to a place called the threshing floor. I don't know if you're familiar with this or not. A lot of times we're not. You know, we, we don't know this stuff. We just go to Albertsons and Smiths. We have no idea how this stuff is done, you know. But farming can teach us a lot. It really can. And so they would bring that into the threshing floor, and usually what they would have is an ox. There would be an animal there that would be hooked onto a threshing instrument. And usually this instrument was made of wood. And that ox would just repetitiously just, uh, um, just go in, uh, walk around the stone, and that's what it was. It was a hard surface, you know. And what, they were, what, it was, what was being accomplished is that the grain was being separated. It was being separated from the stalks. That's what was happening. And so that's what, that would be the process. And now, in my opinion, the, the ox represents the preacher or the teacher or the one who is proclaiming the word. The Bible talks about not muzzling the ox, you know, that type of thing. And so in reference to that, that's what it's referring to. And so that's my job. I, I, have to, um, I have to preach the word. I have to give you the uh, understanding or try to help you with understanding to God's word. Amen. And so after this was broken down, after all of these things were broken down, and you've got to understand the place that they would bring this was not someplace down in the valley someplace. It usually was up on a hill. And the reason it was is because they were going to harness the wind. The wind was going to help them with further separation. And so you that have come into this place, praise God, maybe there's been somebody responsible in inviting you to come to the house of God. It doesn't happen by accident, folks. There are no accidents in the kingdom of God. God purposely has people out there in every aspect of this grain harvest. He's got people this week that have planted. He has people this week that have cultivated he has people this week that have been involved in that because, you know, it's, it's happening all the time. There's an ongoing harvest that's taking place. And so that's why sometimes it can be a bit of a challenge for someone like me, especially with kind of a mixed multitude like I have here on Sunday mornings. And that's not meant to slam you. That's meant to inform you that I've learned as a pastor that especially in home mission settings and places like this, that a good, healthy church is going to show people in all different stages of their walk with God. That's what it's going to do. Amen. And so I've grown comfortable with that. That's not something that I get intimidated by. And, but it does make a little bit of what I do sometimes up here, especially on Sunday morning, a little bit more challenging. That's why, you know, you say, well, man, what's he saying that for? My goodness, we've heard that before. I thought that was a couple of months ago when he mentioned that. Well, look around you. There might have been somebody in here that didn't hear that. And so just keep that in mind, praise God. I am the ox. Praise God. And so that's what's happening. Something's being separated here, praise God. But after that, and I don't know how long that took. Sometimes it would take a little longer than others, depending on what the crop was like and that type of stuff. 
But the bottom line is, then there was another tool that they used. It's called a winnow. And it's basically kind of a fork kind of a device. You know, we used to have them on the farm where you'd, you'd put it in the hay and you could, you could lift it up and it was just used to kind of stab the hay. And it was just a fork, you know. It wasn't a shovel, it was a fork. And what that person would do, you know, after the ox, after the stalks got separated, and this took some time, is that that person would take that winnowing instrument and it would raise it up. And because it was on a hill, he would just throw that, that stuff right up in the air. And what would happen if it was a little bit windy that day is the chaff, the stuff that got broken off that maybe became a little smaller and that type of thing, would literally blow away. And because the end result here, folks, <clears throat> was for the grain. That's what they were looking for. And this is the process that happens, in my opinion, in the house of God in the New Testament. And you've got to understand, the person who has that fork, that is not the pastor. That is not the evangelist. That's Jesus. You might think that everything is going fine in your life. You might have just got a healing. There might have been something that God showed you in, your word, in his word that man made your day. But all of a sudden, you know, out of nowhere, a little bit of turmoil will happen. A little bit of disappointment, a little bit of something that happened that you just weren't quite expecting. And that's what the winnowing does. Praise God. And God is the one that does that. See, one of the things that you and I as human beings want to do is we want to get comfortable down here. That's what we want to do. We want to come into the church. We want to confess our sins. We want to believe in all of this doctrine stuff. And it's good, don't misunderstand me. But after a certain amount of time, we all do it, by the way, we just want to kick back. And we just want to enjoy the blessings of God. And this is where the American church sometimes can, can be very, very vulnerable. Really. And we can start picking and choosing what God does. And we must understand there is something called the perfecting process that God is doing. Jesus mentioned this another way in the 15th chapter of the book of John. And you can study these things at your leisure. You know, when he talked about the fruit. And again, that's another analogy that he used. But we are to produce fruit. That's what God uh, really does mandate in our lives. And with his help, we can do that. Now, sometimes, you know, we're not going to produce as much as other people. But that's not the point. The point of it is that God expects you and I to be fruitful. That was one of the first marching orders that God gave to Adam. Oh, now, Adam, I built this garden for you. So I want you to just sit over here and go fishing all day. I want you to sit over here and I want you to watch ball games and, and just enjoy yourself, Adam, and I'll just get somebody else to work on this place. That's not what he said. He, he said, we've got to have somebody that can work this garden. And that's exactly what God wants to help you to do. You think to yourself, I'm not worthy to do that. Join the I'm not worthy club. That's, that goes without saying. But God uses us. He puts us to work. That's what he's doing, my friend, and it's a beautiful process. It keeps us busy. I've noticed that some of the busiest people in the world don't have time to criticize or to, to be gossipers and things of that nature. Now, usually they're the ones that are they're just too busy doing the work of God. And so you need to consider this, praise God, this life of ease and this kicking back and all that kind of business. A lot of times, and I'm going to say probably 90 to 95% of the time, it just creates more problems for us. 
we begin to look and we begin to say, oh man, God, you could make some improvements over here. And you know who you're talking to? This ain't his first rodeo. And so you must understand, God knows what he's doing. And so you and I, I believe through the process of the word, can, can understand what he's doing. But there's some of you in here that you've been listening to the preaching for a while. And I know it's, it's irritated you. I know it's even offended you. Praise God from time to time. And I'm not going to make too big of apologies for that, although I'm trying to be better at being, you know, uh, um, uh, just being kind. But, but the bottom line is sometimes you just can't, you know, you can't fluff enough pillows on that chair. You've got to say, listen, this is what the Word says. You know, either you're going to accept it or you're not. And that's not some ultimatum. That's just how it works. Amen. And so this is what God does. Blessed are, the Bible says, blessed are the... Um, uh, uh, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Remember that in, in, in Matthew 5? Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Isn't that, isn't that beautiful? This is the attitudes that God gave us. Blessed are the merciful, he says. You know, for they shall obtain mercy. Thank you, Jesus. Blessed are the pure in heart. We can reach that stage periodically in our lives. And boy, do we see God. Boy, do we see him as he is. Come on, some of you, you know that. You know, you've you confessed and you're working on this stuff and you've reached a, a place, you know, that, boy, I, I feel good and this is great and that type of thing. And you begin to see God. The problem with mankind is we can't stay there. We're, not, we're just not able to do that on, on a 24-7 thing. But we can obtain that. That's why the Bible says heavenly places. And then it says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Amen. Blessed are, are they that are persecuted for righteousness' sake. That's what the Bible says. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye. Somebody say, that's me. When men shall revile you shall persecute you, shall say all manner of evil against you for his sake falsely. What does the Bible tell us to do? Get even with them, huh? No, it doesn't say that. It says rejoice and be exceeding glad. Why? Because great. Come on, look at somebody and say great. Great is your reward in heaven. Praise God. Amen. And then it says, you know, it says, for so persecuted they the prophets that were before you. Always remember, this is not the first time this has ever happened. And so I believe that the apostolic church worldwide is going to begin to see that a little bit. Amen. I believe from within. Because God is really putting heat on in some areas of our churches now. And what that means is the Bible says judgment begins in the house of God. What does that mean, that you better do it or else? No, but you do have to make some kind of a decision in the house of God. And so after a while, God respects that, and that's what leads people away from God, unfortunately. But then there are some that make that decision and say, I'm getting closer. I'm going to put this stuff off. I'm going to let him have another opportunity to winnow me. I'm going to let him throw things up in the air so that chaff that I've had in my life can get out of here. And so I can become more pure. So that I can become more dedicated. So I can become more focused. So I can become more intentional in doing the things of God. Can somebody feel that right now? That's God's direction. That's what he's doing. And that's why you were brought in from the field. 
He didn't let you rot out there in the field somewhere. He brought you in here so that the process could begin and keep beginning in Jesus' name. That's what God is doing. I hope somebody's ears and eyes are being opened right now. That you can really begin to see this for what it's worth. Because it's exciting. It is a powerful thing. You and I are going to have it made in heaven. And one of the reasons we're going to is because God has prepared us, praise God, for a place like that. He's worked us over. He's sifted us down. He's gotten rid of some of the rough areas, praise God. And now we can begin to focus on the kingdom of God and we can be used in his kingdom in the name of Jesus. Come on, if that's you, lift up your hands right now and give God some praise. Oh, yeah. Wow, praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Isn't that awesome? Praise God. And so you have all of those attitudes that God says. This is what, what, what's going on. You know, this is what I'm trying to help you with and that type of thing. And so I appreciate that fifth chapter of the book of, of, of Matthew. I really do. But what a lot of people don't understand is that Jesus left one out. And he was going to use it as an example, praise God. One of the things that happened is the scripture tells us that the forerunner to Jesus Christ in the flesh was a man named John the Baptist. And the unique thing about John the Baptist, praise God, is the fact that he was filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost from his mother's womb. I don't see that anywhere else. God gave him a special gift, ding, time period-wise. And don't ask me why. Don't ask me why, because God is God. That's all, that's would be my answer to you. Well, he's God. He can do whatever he wants, you know. But nevertheless, because of that, his ministry was tremendously anointed. It really was. And, and it began a public ministry. You know, he didn't do this in the back alley somewhere. He began to baptize people right out in the open. And boy, believe me, when Christianity becomes popular, all kinds of people come. And there was a time when he had to kind of turn the spigot off and he had to say, slow down and say, well, listen, we're not going to baptize today. What we're going to do is teach. And then he stood back and he said, listen, he said, bring forth fruit, meat for repentance. And he wasn't making some kind of a demand. He was just trying to bring it back around, circle around and say, well, listen, this is, this is what God wants us to do. And so repentance was, became, you know, a, a controversial subject. It really did. But boy, did they get results in that type of thing. Well, what happened to John approximately six months into his ministry is that God, not Philip, that was the guy that put him in jail, but God allowed him to be put into jail. And the reason he was put in there is because he became controversial. See, that's what we don't want Christianity to become anymore, do we? We don't. We want to get along with everybody. We want everybody to love us and, and man, come to church and feel good about everything, especially the bad things they're doing. I'm just telling you. That's how it works. That's how we were. But aren't you glad the, the ox is still going around? Still stepping on those stocks? Aren't you glad he's still doing that and getting some of that junk broke away, praise God? And then about the time when you thought you were becoming a really great Christian, you're doing everything right, man. I'm telling you something. I didn't argue with nobody for about the last two hours, and, man, everything's going right in my life. Then all of a sudden, whoo, you go, whoa, where did that come from? And God said, yeah, there's a lot of these little particles that need to go because they're irritants, praise God. And so this is what God is doing. And he doesn't do it just one time. He does it many times. And the thing that will help you, as it has helped me, is to learn to appreciate it. 
Learn to expect it. Learn to say that, boy, God isn't going to let me get away with stuff. He loves me too much for that. And so there's going to be times when he's really going to upset the apple cart per se. And so I've learned to expect that, and I've learned to appreciate it, and I've learned to be thankful for what the Lord is doing in my life. And he's not done with me yet either. He's not. And so I expect that, that winnowing process, that, that, uh, that um, uh, you know, that, that um, uh, ox to happen. Man, I was in, a, in meetings this past week uh, down in uh, St., uh, not St., what is that? Yeah, it is. Salt Lake, Salt Lake City. And my goodness, that preacher was working my motor over. But boy, I love, I sat right there in that front row. Those kids ain't got nothing on me. I sat right there, boy, and I mean to tell you, he was letting me have it. But that was good because he was helping me to understand, praise God, exactly where I was in Jesus' name. Beautiful message, praise God. And so this is what the Lord will do. I'm not going to do away with the ox. I'm not going to do away with the winnowing tool. I want him to do that. And here's what's going to help you to be able to accomplish that. Now, we talked about the Beatitudes, that type of thing. Well, there was a time, like I said, when John the Baptist, his ministry, you know, was kind of fading a little bit. In fact, if you study the, 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 the second and third chapters of the book of, um, of John, you're going to see where there's a bit of conflict there. You know, the disciples of John came to him one day and said, hey, you know that guy that you baptized? You know, and all this hoopla was made about? Well, man alive, he's over there making disciples. And my goodness, his church attendance is going way above ours. Oh, and of course, John had to deal with it. And so you can study that for yourself. He, he referenced to the fact, he said, I have nothing that God didn't give me. And basically, in a nutshell, he said, he must increase and I must decrease. There's the momentum that God wants to put in your life from time to time. Sometimes it's very gradual and you don't even notice it. But a lot of times it's kind of like going down a hill. But the bottom line is, that's what has to be achieved. If you're ever going to get anything from the Lord, that's what the, the Beatitudes are for, to be honest with you, is for the times that God is bringing a decrease in your life and he's bringing an increase in his. Because a lot of times we don't understand that. You know, we don't know why the economy's going belly up. We don't know why we lost this money. We don't know why that job didn't work out. We don't know why all of this goes. And I'm going to tell you something. You can know these things when you put these glasses on called the Spirit of God, and you can begin to see that God is having your life to decrease a little bit, and he wants his life in you to begin to increase. And you can begin to see that. And you can begin to see the blessings that come from that. Amen. And so, but even having said all of that, we have to be very careful. Look at this. I want you to see something. Look at Matthew chapter 11. And we're going to talk about the other beatitude today. The other one. You say, well, there wasn't any. I read the fifth chapter of the book of Matthew, and there's just, no, there's another one. And sometimes we forget that. And the Bible says here, it says, and it came to pass, in verse number 1, I'm in Matthew 11, 1, it says, when Jesus had made an end of commanding his 12 disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. And the scripture says in verse 2, now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples. So you understand, this is the time when, when John was thrown in jail. He was irritating one of the leaders. He didn't like the idea that this guy was having an affair with somebody that wasn't his wife. 
And so he raked him over the coals. I mean, he basically told him that's wrong. And so it finally got to a place where this guy put him in jail. And so the scripture says in verse number three, and he said unto him, art thou he that should come or do we look for another? Now I want you to understand something in prophecy. I'm going to switch a little bit of gear here for a little bit for about three minutes here. But in prophecy, one of the things that we center upon, and I think it's okay from time to time, is we center on that 13th chapter of the book of Revelation. And that's the, kind of the pinnacle time. 42 months have elapsed, and all of a sudden this Antichrist is in his, he's in his power, and he's wreaking havoc. And one of the things that he does is he institutes um, an economic standard. And that economic standard is you've got to put this mark on before you're going to be able to buy or sell. Remember that? And we call that the what? Yeah. And I'm not saying it isn't true, but I'm saying that isn't the first mark of the beast. A lot of people make a mistake. That's pretty obvious, you know. And I still haven't, I haven't real, I don't know if we're going to still be here but when that happens. I don't know. Brother Rona straighten you all out, okay? That's why we have him coming. But the bottom line is, folks, I understand that mark of the beast, 666. And for years, I wouldn't, you know, when gas was a whole lot cheaper, I came into the Lord back in the middle 70s, and so we were paying like 70 cents for a gallon of gas, sometimes even 50. And so you could, you could wind up with a $6.35 in your gas thing. And I remember when I first came into church, and you guys were telling me all about this mark of the beast. Man, I remember one time I got $6.65 worth of gas, and I wouldn't put any more in my tank. That's how caught up I was in it. Now, come on, some of you have done very similar things. You have. Because we're worried about that mark, aren't we? My goodness, I ain't going to have that in my gas tank. Thing will blow up before I get out of this gas station. Oh, we can, our imaginations can go all over the place with that, can't they? And you must understand that's because you're a human being. And in my opinion, this is what's happening to John the Baptist. He's having a little bit of a, well, man, is this really the deal? Now, you've got to understand, friend, you know, questioning the things of God is not a bad thing. That's kind of a natural thing that you and I go through. But it's where do we go from there? And I want you to understand when John was questioning the things of God, what did he do? Go to the Pharisees? Did he go to the temple and ask the priests? Did he go to the religious movements of the world and say, hey, is that really him? Because, man, they'd have a mixed bag on that one, wouldn't they? No, what did John do? He sent two of his disciples right to the source. And in my opinion, that's what you and I have to get good at. Is that when, not if, when we question the things of God. Because in my opinion, praise God, that's the first mark of the beast. Where do you find that out? You find it in the third chapter of the book of Genesis. It's very easy to point that out. Here's, you know, Adam and Eve. And I'm still trying to figure out all that went on in the garden. And it's pretty powerful, isn't it? Those two kids? That's pretty powerful, isn't it? That really changed the way I looked at the book of Genesis. That's just his and my secret, okay? That's just what that is. But the bottom line is, folks, I'm going to tell you something. Some things happened in the garden that you and I need to pay attention to. And what did the the devil, who was disguised as a snake, what did he do? The first thing he did was he caused her to question. 
question the things of God. And of course, we already understand, praise God, that what she did, which was a mistake, is she added to the word. Do you remember that? What was the, the, the mandate from God? He says, don't eat it or you're going to die. But what did she add to it? Well, he had her right where he wanted her because he said, go ahead and touch it. Go ahead and touch it. Oh, you didn't die, did you? See, God's a liar. He doesn't want you to really know the truth. Do you see what she did by adding to the word? She added to her temptation. And that's what you and I have to be extremely careful about. Some of you right now, that's why God has got this ox up here, busting up your things and, and, and grinding away and that type of thing. Because some of you got some stinking stocks that need to go. Some of you got some stinking reasoning that needs to go. Some of you got some thinking, praise God, that ain't according to the word of God. And God wants to clean that out. He wants to get you clear in the name of Jesus and give you a good attitude. That's what he's doing, my friend. He's busting up some of that, you know, some of those myths or whatever you want to call them. And believe me, folks, religion has got a ton of that stuff. That's why you and I have to be careful, praise God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. This is why you and I must take it serious about reading through this Bible, studying this Bible, and reading this more than we read anything else in our lives. Come on, folks, it's available to you. You're not that busy. You haven't got that big of a schedule. Praise God, you could give yourself to the Word a lot more than you are. And I'll tell you what that would do is that would help you to understand some of the temptations that you're adding to. Now, come on, I know it's getting a little tight in here right now, but I'm not blaming anybody. I'm here to tell you that this ox is trying to reveal some things to you this morning. And this is what God wants to do, is he wants to help you to understand that the process is a good process. The ox is not your enemy. The threshing tool is not something that you should despise. The winnower is not your enemy, praise God. These are all things that God sent into your life so that you could get these imperfections and this junk out of your life in the name of Jesus and you could become more like the pure in heart and you could begin to see God just exactly the way he is and you would get answers. I'm going to tell you something. If you want answers, get a pure heart. Because, boy, they'll come flooding into your life. They'll come flooding into your life. That's what it is. We think education. We think studying. And I'm not saying that isn't good. Believe me, it's good. But, boy, having a pure heart really can really, really help us out a lot. And so here's John, and he's questioning. Is he a bad guy? Is he backslidden? Is he a horrible person? I don't think so. I think he's just natural. And I think he's just, he's in jail. You know, food ain't so great here. The company isn't even any better. And boy, this is just a dull place. It stinks, it smells. And boy, it's starting to catch up with me a little bit. And my attitude's starting to smell now. So I need some reassurance. So is he really the one? Go ask him. And so the scripture says, ask and you shall and the scripture says in verse number, number, um, uh, number four, Jesus answered and said unto them, go and show John again those things which you do hear and see. 
He says, the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached unto them. Read your Bible, John. This is all stuff that, that was stated that was going to happen. And then he brings out, <laughs> and then he brings out the other attitude. And here's where some of you are at right now. The Bible says, and blessed. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for there's... No, 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 you got that one already. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. I got that one. Uh, Blessed are they that are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Yeah, that happened to me last week. Uh, Blessed are this, blessed are that. Oh, but here's another one. Blessed is he, in verse number six, whosoever shall not be... Whoa. Now I think we're hitting a nerve. Now I think we're hitting the reason why sometimes we stumble, because that's what it is. We don't want to have what Jesus is doing in our life become a stumbling block to us. And that's what I see sometimes. Because we had this idea that it should happen this way, or it should happen that way. You think about it, the first chapter of the book of Luke, and I'm just about done here, is a tremendous chapter. Luke is the explainer. Luke is the one that takes time to go into some of the details that we really need in life. And, 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 And it's powerful. And so in the first chapter of the book of Luke, he deals with two very, very, very important subjects. And both of them had to do with miraculous births. You got, you know, you got Zacharias, who's a high priest or, um, or, or one of the elite priests, and he's doing his duty, and his wife, what was her name? Elizabeth. You know, she couldn't have any kids. And boy, it didn't matter what, how the career went. It didn't matter how life was treating them and how great of a house they lived in and all that kind of stuff. That was something that was gnawing at them. They couldn't have any children. And I'm not here to bring any reproach to anybody. I'm just saying that's a natural thing. And so along comes the angel one day, you know, and Zacharias is just doing his duty. He's in the the temple and that type of thing, and the angel begins to talk to him and says, listen, your wife is going to have a baby. Now, I want you to see something here, praise God, because blessed are they that don't get offended by what he says. Look at Luke chapter number one, and let me point this out to you, praise God. The scripture says there in Luke chapter number one, and I believe it's in... um, let me see if I can find it. Yes, it's in, in, um, um, uh, uh, it, it's in Luke chapter number, thir- or chapter number 1 and verse number 13. Now, I'm, I'm going to have to go real fast here. But it says that the angel said unto him, Fear not. And so he begins to explain this. And then the Bible says, And thou shalt, in verse 14, have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. He's talking about Elizabeth having a baby. And the scripture says, for he shall be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. Do you see that? And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord. Now this is talking about John, his ministry here. And the Bible says, and he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of of the fathers to the children and and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. The angel is explaining what God is doing. Praise God. Your wife is going to have a child and this is what's going to be his ministry. Wow. And so the scripture says, 
And that in verse number 18, here it comes. And Zacharias said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife well stricken in years. And watch this. Look at verse 19. And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God and am sent to speak unto thee and to show thee these glad tidings. And behold, thou shalt be dumb and not able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed because thou believest not my words. Got to break that off of there. Got to get that chaff off of there. That's what's keeping them from really believing the word, isn't it, God? Got to keep preaching this. Got to keep doing it. I know they're getting mad at me. There's a couple of them out there that's ready to throw something at me right now. But I'm going to keep preaching it. I'm going to keep breaking those stocks. I'm going to keep doing this. Some of you need to realize what's happening. Praise God. That's the wrong way to question. That's what Zacharias did. I thought about this, the two scenarios. Here's Zacharias, and he's having a baby, uh, you know, in a situation that only supernaturally could happen. And just a few verses or some verses down the road there, you got another situation that's the same way. And here's this little lady, this little girl, and God, you must favor women. Because she's questioning the same thing. Uh, 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 uh. Wait a minute here. See, the thing that was the difference between Zacchaeus and Mary is that Zacchaeus wouldn't believe what the angel said. And that's why he said, well, if you're not going to believe me, I'm just going to keep you quiet. That's just what I'm going to do. I'm going to keep you quiet. And so this is what we see. But we see, you know, six months later, same scenario. Here comes this angel, praise God. And the Bible says he appears to this, this lady called Mary. And, you know, he's saying, hey, you found some favor with God. And the scripture says in verse number 31, it says, in, I'm still in first chapter of Luke, by the way. It says, and behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. And here we go. I'm going to sing his praises even before he gets here. And the scripture says, he shall be great. Somebody say Amen. amen. And he shall be called the son of the highest. Somebody say amen. amen. It says, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Somebody say, that's great preaching. That's great preaching. And so here she is. She's a human being. And so the Bible says, Mary, she's not saying this can't happen. She's just saying, how's this going to work? I don't know a man. And so when she didn't question what God could do, then God could give her an answer. And that's why the other beatitude is important, is blessed are they that don't get offended by what I do. I feel right now i got to stop and i got to pray for some people. That's why you're not getting your answers. You have become offended by what God is doing. You have become offended and you just don't like the way he's bringing the process into your life. And God is in his place right here today, not to make demands of you, but to restore that back into your life so that you can get the right answers in the name of Jesus. I don't know if you're interested in this or not. It doesn't. That's not my duty here. My duty is to pray for those that are. And that's what I'm 
going to do right now in the name of Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, I feel the spirit of restoration in this place. There has been a couple of people in this room right now that they have not obeyed your clear word because they got offended by it. And Lord God, I'm asking you to offend them. First of all, God, forgive them for they know not what they are doing. They do not know this, Lord God. They are doing this ignorantly and I'm asking you to have mercy on them. And in along with that, Lord, I'm asking you to restore their lives, to give them favor with you, to bring back that, that knowledge and that understanding into their lives again. And Lord God, I'm going to tell you right, I believe that you are doing that right now. I believe that there are people who have been greatly offended by your methods that can be restored in this room right now in the name of Jesus. How great is our God? How great is our God? How great is our God? I'm telling you right now, that's what the Lord is doing right now in the name of Jesus. Take the scales away from their eyes. Help them to stay the process. Help them to come back and allow the ox to step all over them. Allow the, the, the ox to break up that fallow ground in the name of Jesus. Right now, Lord God, I pray that prayer. I pray that because blessed are they that are not offended. Blessed are they that are not offended by what you do in the name of Jesus. Lord God, touch, strengthen in the name of Jesus right now. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, habakaha. No, habakaha. Oh, in the name of Jesus. Oh, my goodness, my goodness, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. You can be seated for just a few more minutes. Praise God. Because what God had to do to Zacharias is sometimes what he has to do with people who won't believe him. But people who can believe God, he can approach it a little bit differently for them. And I'll tell you what he did for Mary that he could not do for Zacchaeus. And he wants to do for some of you in Jesus' name. Is the Bible says that when Mary said, how is this going to work? She's just a little girl. She doesn't know. She said, but she does know enough about the anatomy that says, man, I, you know, I, don't, I don't know, guy. She's not trying to make it X-rated here. She's saying, listen, that's the only way I know. And so the Bible says that the angel said to her, the Holy Ghost. And folks, that's what I'm saying. One of the biggest denominal um, um, offenses in our world today, and you know it in this town, is the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. This has offended a lot of people. And I'm not here to say, man, you've got to do this or else or I'm going to shove this down your throat. But I'm here to tell you, folks, if people could ever get to a place where they would just begin to accept the things of God, just accept them. Don't try to figure them all out. Don't come down here and have all of your ducks in a row so you can tell everybody how great you are and your relationship with God is. Just believe Him. And that's exactly where Mary was at. 
And the Bible says, he just said, the Holy Ghost is going to make this work, and it's going to come upon you, and that thing, he didn't know what else to call it. He said, that holy thing shall be, that shall be born in you shall be called the Son of God. And beside that, Mary, because you don't question God's ability, I'm going to send you somewhere where God is already working. Come on, that's where Elizabeth comes in. She's already six months down the trail. She's already been one that was called barren. She couldn't have kids either, but God miraculously healed her body. And so what does God do? God sends Mary, not because she's questioning, but because she really wants to know. And so what does he do? He sends her on a little trip up the hill, praise God. And you can study the rest of that all you want, my friend, but I'm going to tell you something. I don't know how long that fuel went in her, in her life to, 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 to pick her up, but I got a feeling it went for quite a while. In fact, the Bible says she stayed three months there. Do you know what that represents? That represents a season. She didn't just go and have a two-minute prayer with God and say, you better get this one right because I got to get to work or I got to get this going or I got to get that going. No, she spent three months, praise God, in a place, praise God, where a miracle was happening. And that's what the Lord is doing in these last days. He is allowing his miracle-working power to be seen amongst all people, praise God. But you got Zacchaeus's and you got Mary's. You got people, praise God, it doesn't matter how much God would do. It doesn't make any difference how great the Sunday night service was. It doesn't matter how many people got healed. It's never going to be enough. And that's where our culture is rapidly going, folks. But I hope I'm not talking to people who are like that right now. I hope that you can restore, that God has restored enough in your life right now. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. That he can do one thing in your life. One thing and you can get up and say, he's God. He can do it in the name of Jesus. That you're, Maybe you question, but I'm coming back to church. I'm going to be in Bible study. I'm going to be at that prayer meeting. I'm going to do what you want me to do because I'm going to go where the miracle stays I'm telling you right now I feel the Holy Ghost pulling people right now if that's you get out of that chair and come down here come on let's have a word of prayer come on don't you leave this place with some kind of doubt in your mind right now come on why don't you let the Lord come and cure and heal in the name of Jesus come on that's what he wants to do he wants to restore you fully that's what he wants to do. Come on, that's his will. His will is not that any would perish. His will is not that any would perish in the name of Jesus. Come on, folks, there's plenty of room down here. Come on, let's not get intimidated. Blessed are they that don't get offended by the way God does it. Mm. Come on, you should be lifting up your hands right now. You should be talking to him. You should be talking to him. That's what you should be doing in the name of Jesus because she's not going to give you your miracle. He is in the name of Jesus. That's what it is right now. That's what it is in the name of Jesus. By the power of the spoken word, let that go forth in the name of Jesus. Let that go forth in the name of Jesus. That's what he's doing. He's your miracle worker. He's the one that, that will fill you with the Holy Ghost. He's the one that will forgive you. He is the one that will help you. Oh, in the name of Jesus. Come on, lift up those voices right now. Come on, let's linger in the presence of the Lord.